today on the Bourbon Bites Podcast. I'm reviewing Little Book Chapter 4, talking about how you can win the full Pappy Van Winkle lineup, and sharing the story of a local video game store that uncovered hundreds of video games that have been locked away for 27 years. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 20 of the Bourbon Bites podcast, a very big milestone in this relatively new endeavor of mine. So I thought I would celebrate by drinking a whiskey that came out in 2020 uh, that I never had a chance to review. So today I'm reviewing Little Book Chapter 4. This is Lessons Honored. So if you're not aware, Little Book is the limited edition release from Freddie No at Jim Beam, one of my favorite distilleries. And this is the fourth release uh, since he launched that series. So this one I've been so anxious to try because it is a blend of several different whiskeys and one of these is a four-year-old Kentucky straight brown rice bourbon. So they used brown rice as the secondary grain to that bourbon. There's also an eight-year-old high rye rye whiskey and a seven-year-old Kentucky straight bourbon. So it's a really interesting blend of three different mash bills and styles of whiskey. I just can't wait to see how this turned out. Now this retailed for $125, um, which is in line with the other little books. I know when it first came out, those were closer to 80. Um, they have gone up since. So 125 is MSRP. I know I've seen it on the shelves and I've seen it for that price, but I was a little hesitant to buy it. So this sample comes to us again from our friend, the bourbon noob, Patrick and Heather Starkey. Thank you so much for sending this in. I've been wanting to try it since I heard about it. Um, and I'm glad to finally have a chance to try it. So why not on my 20th episode? So let's go ahead and get this poured, let it open up a bit as I tell you a little bit more about Lessons Honored. So according to bourbon legend Freddie No, he says, This year's release is an ode to my dad and the lessons he has passed down to me about bourbon and life, all of which I hope to pass down to my own children. Of course, he's talking about his dad, uh, Fred No, who was the son of Booker No. So it all stays in the family there. Freddie is the newest um, generation of distillers um, from the No family. He goes on to say that his father taught him how to be his true self, which is something that's very important to their family, and to know when to slow down and be patient. He said, Dad's values carry over into our whiskey brands, and I'm proud to honor him with this special blend. So let's talk about the blend. So this has a brown rice bourbon in it, which is actually Freddie No's first solo distillation. So this was the first project he worked on at Jim Beam. It does make up a majority of the blend. And what's interesting is rice takes a lot longer to ferment than corn or other grains that you use for whiskey. It says that there's a fermentation period of two to three weeks compared to like, you know, two to three days in most bourbon. So that goes back to the fact that his dad taught him patience and to slow down and take your time with things because they could be really special. They also say that they added the high rye whiskey uh, to reminisce on the first commemorative release um, that both Fred and Freddie worked on together, Booker's Rye, which I have had the pleasure of trying a couple of times in my life. I've done it on my YouTube channel. If you want to see that review, go check that out. That's just It's just a magical bottle. Um, so it's a 65% rye. It's higher than any other Jim Beam whiskey since Booker's Rye. Um, so that gets me excited. That makes me feel like, you know, maybe there's going to be some hints of Booker's Rye uh, in here. If so, I'm 100% here for it because it's a delicious whiskey. And lastly is a seven-year-old Kentucky Straight Bourbon. It's a younger cast-strength version of Knob Creek, which is Fred No's favorite flavor profile. So this is a culmination of all of those different parts of Freddie's journey in whiskey making and paying a tribute to his father and his legacy. So let's go ahead and get into the nosing of this whiskey. 
So this one comes in at 122.8 proof, which is pretty high for a Jim Beam product. Not quite as high as um, some Booker's releases, but still relatively high. Um, let's go ahead and give it a nose. Ooh, on the nose, this is a lovely. I am such a big fan of Jim Beam as a distillery. All of their, you know, from Booker's to Knob Creek to Baker's to even Jim Beam Single Barrel. I just think they constantly knock it out of the park with that nutty, oaky flavor profile. This is no exception. And I'm really curious to see how that rice whiskey affects this. So let's go and give it a taste. Cheers. Ooh, that is hot. Oh, wow. Well, once I get past the initial burn of it, it is really really sweet and interesting. So I have had other rice whiskeys. I actually did a stream um, with some representatives from Impex Beverages. We did Fukuno and Ohishi uh, Japanese whiskey. Those are both rice whiskeys. almost said rye whiskey. <laughs> so I've had some experience with that. Of course, those are a lot softer. They're lower proof. This is definitely, you know, not just the rice whiskey. However, I do think it is adding an element of, I, I want to say softness, but this isn't a soft whiskey. This is a hot whiskey, but there's a certain like mellowness to the sweet that it, when it first hits your tip of your tongue, it's almost like a like uh, powdered sugar, kind of just like very easy going, not harsh and not spicy, um, but it really does open up once you get past that. But don't let that fool you. I mean, this is a big, bold, intense whiskey. Um, I do think the oak does show up a good bit on the end of it. It gets that wood spice that I love about a good Knob Creek. I think it hits you so hard with that intense um, start to it that the finish feels a little bit lackluster compared to how big this was at, at first. In terms of being able to pull out the high rye rye that's in this, there is a bit of like a cinnamon spice that maybe how that rye is expressing itself. Um, I just think that the other components of this kind of, I don't want to say take away from that, but it doesn't really highlight the rye. It's definitely not a Booker's rye replacement, uh, which I mean, I could have hoped, but <laughs> it's definitely got some interesting characteristics that I could see are reminiscent of that. I did get a lot of that like cinnamon spice on the Booker's rye. It kind of starts with that cinnamon spice, but then it kind of goes into like a baked, um, you know, some kind of cinnamon peach kind of cobbler thing. There's a lot of stone fruits there that really show up mid palate. I do feel like the finish does have something going for it, but I feel like it's so impacted by how hot this is. I would like to try this not at cast strength. I know like who, who, who is Cliffy right now, but I, I just think there's a lot going on. I think the heat of this kind of overshadows what could be a really delicate, a really uh, unique tasting product. I just think it burns so much that it, this needs a little drop of water. So I haven't done that yet on the podcast, but I'm going to add some water to this and uh, come back to it. All right, so I've added quite a few drops of water to this. I think it really needs a lot of it to tone it down. We'll see, though. Maybe it's better at cast strength. You know, I love experimenting, and I encourage you guys to do it, too, at home. I will say the nose is a lot more approachable now. I think at first it was just so hot that I wasn't able to find much more beyond that typical Knob Creek kind of nuttiness, um, oakiness. I think that that lightness and that sweetness that I was getting on um, the, the start of the palate is definitely expressing itself on the nose now. I don't think it smells super fruity, even though I do get like that peach thing going on mid-palate, but the sweetness really does shine. So I'm going to go ahead and give it a taste with the water. Huh. Believe it or not, I think I pretty much nailed it. That drinks like an 80 or 85 proof whiskey or something. Definitely less spicy. It's the cinnamon is what it is. So I think when cinnamon is that strong, maybe I'm just interpreting it as like just alcohol burn. But no, that's that cinnamon note. It's like kind of like a red hot candy a little bit at the front of the palate. And then it tapers off into like a sweet confectionery, like, um, I'm still getting that peach. It's like a, it's more of like a ripe peach versus like a cooked peach that I was getting earlier. Um, the oak is kind of drowned out by the water, literally. 
Um, so the finish doesn't really, still doesn't really do too much for me, but I do think adding water to this one makes it a whole new experience. So I'm gonna have to start doing this. If y'all want me to do that more often with cast strength whiskey, let me know. Cause I, I'm really bad about not doing that. Cause I typically enjoy cast strength. Usually cast strength doesn't like burn me that much, which is what's interesting. And I, I you know what? I even had some bookers earlier tonight that didn't have as much of a burning impact as this, as this does. And this is only 122 proof. I think the bookers I was drinking earlier was 126. So it definitely hits you up front with the spice. I think it's a little overwhelming. I think the finish is a little underwhelming. So I'm going to start giving these ratings. Um, I, I done it on my re most recent live streams on YouTube. I have my scoring system out of eight because um, I love eight bit everything. Uh, it's kind of my brand. Uh, so out of eight, I would have to give this compared to, you know, like Knob Creek and Booker's things that are a little more accessible, easier to get. I really feel like this is a solid five out of eight. It's a little bit, it's better than average. It's definitely not a bad pour. I just think they're kind of like, maybe they overcomplicate it with these three different types of whiskey they put into this, or maybe they just, you know, released it in the wrong proof. I don't know. Uh, but it was very, very good. And thank you again, Patrick, for sharing with me. I'm, I always love trying limited releases um, from every distillery, but particularly the ones that I love, like Jim Beam and Heaven Hill. I do think I like uh, Chapter 4 better than Chapter 2, which is the one that had the 40-year-old Canadian whiskey in it. I think to me that one was a little just kind of like, it was a little disappointing, honestly. Um, but 1 was great. 3 was great. 3 was my favorite for sure. Um, but four kind of falls in between, you know, like it's about tie with one, I would say. So definitely let me know if you guys have tried this. I think it's complex, but maybe a bit too complex. <laughs> I think it's got a lot going on, but uh, thank you again, Patrick. I'm so excited to have tried this. But let's get on to some news for the week. I actually had a lot of news stories that I wanted to feature. Some of these I might save for next week. I don't want it to run too long, um, especially with that review of the little book. I, I really wanted to get my point across about how complex it was, but <laughs> but intense. Uh, so the first piece of news I have here is there will be a new Walking Dead whiskey collaboration. So if you remember a couple years ago, there was a whiskey released called Spirit of the Apocalypse. It was Walking Dead themed. It was not disclosed who distilled it. It was a bourbon. And I think the retail on it was $40, but it quickly dropped. I picked up two bottles for 12 bucks each. One I put in storage because I'm hoping it's going to be worth something in the future. The other I drank. And for a $12 bottle, it's not bad at all. Now, for the $40, I thought it was kind of like, this is way overpriced. It's definitely paying just for the name. However, this new one sounds really interesting. So this is actually a collaboration with Sexton Irish Whiskey. Uh, so Sexton is a single malt Irish whiskey. You've probably seen it in those black hexagon shaped bottles. It's very prominent on the shelves but this new one is going to look even cooler so this one is actually tied to a specific cast member of the walking dead ross marquand i think his name is who plays aaron now i'm not gonna lie to you i haven't watched walking dead since like season three so i don't really know <laughs> this character um, but he seems to be a Irish whiskey fanatic, which is always a good thing. So he says that after visiting uh, Ireland several years ago, he developed a deep appreciation for the country and special whiskey like Sexton uh, that's made there. So I like that he's not just, you know, getting the cash grab there. He is a fan of Irish whiskey. He actually has been to Ireland um, to try the whiskey. He's now going to serve as their brand ambassador, and this is going to be the official whiskey of The Walking Dead. So I don't know what that Spirit of the Apocalypse thing was. Maybe it wasn't official, <laughs> but... Um, um, this one's interesting because it's not necessarily a different whiskey. It's the same, you know, Sexton single malt that we're used to. I say that I haven't tried it, but I need to pick up a bottle because it's, it's relatively affordable. It's only $30. Even this special release is only $30. 
And taking a look at the label here, it does look very zombie-esque. It looks like it's kind of rustic, like it's kind of rubbed off a little bit. It just says the Sexton X AMC Walking Dead Single Malt Irish Whiskey. Um, there's some quotes from the cast members all around it, and it just looks really, really like, um, it's almost like steampunk looking. I mean, the bottle itself is pretty steam steampunk inspired, I would say, uh, but it looks super nice. I would love to bring that out for like Halloween or something. Um, especially if you're a Walking Dead fan. Like I said, I, I haven't watched it in years, so I'm going to definitely seek out at least one bottle, probably a second one to put with that other <laughs> Spirit of the Apocalypse, just in case, you know, Walking Dead in like 50 years is like a massive thing. Like, oh, remember that show? <laughs> But I think it's a really cool collaboration. Now, this should be available at retail, um, but you can pre-order it at Reserve Bar um, starting this week. So uh, just head over there if you want to make sure you get your hands on it. But I have a feeling this is going to stick around in stores for a while. I, I know that Walking Dead does have a ton of hype around it, but that Spirit of the Apocalypse set on shelves forever. So we'll see. But I'm definitely going to grab uh, one or two of these for sure. So next piece of whiskey news is actually something that excites me because it, it's very related to a guest that I've had on my YouTube channel recently. So there is a new bourbon experience coming to Whiskey Row that will let you blend your own bourbon. So if you guys remember um, over on YouTube, I had the folks from Dexter and Brain Brew Custom Whiskey on my channel talking about their whiskey blending experience. Well, now they've kind of franchised the idea and this new location is going to be called Barrels and Billets and it's going to be in downtown Louisville. So this one's owned by the same guy that owns the Louisville Slugger Museum, um, which is actually next door. Um, so billets actually refers to the pieces of wood that are used to make baseball bats. Um, didn't know that until I had to look that up. But this is a really cool experience. Like I said, if you missed the stream, go watch that, because I actually made my own whiskey that they blended for me. Um, so basically, they give you six different combinations of uh, bourbon that have been finished with different types of oak, including a 200-year-old oak, an European oak, American oak, cherry wood, maple, and smoked oak. So I did it virtually, so I did a survey online, picked my flavor profiles, and they blended it for me, shipped me a bottle. But you can do this, you know, one, one of three different ways. You can do a one-hour blending experience um, on-site where you get to experiment, you know, find what you really like. And uh, you can also do, like I said, the virtual one. They, they call it an artificial intelligent bourbon wizard. Or you can do a at-home blending kit. But basically, once you um, have decided on your blend, you can actually purchase a custom blend bottle with your name on it um, that runs for about $45. So it's a very affordable experience. I think the actual custom blending is about $35. You do have to make reservations beforehand at the Louisville location. Um, but, you know, $35 for a one-hour class on bourbon blending, combining these different, you know, wood finishes, and getting to come home with a souvenir bottle for just $45. I think that's such a fun experience. It's definitely going to add to the whole Louisville, you know, bourbon you know, tourism industry. I think it's, it's something that I would absolutely do in person. I did it virtually for Dexter and Brain Brew. But next time in Louisville, I'm definitely going to hit up Barrels and Billets. So they are now open. So you guys go check out uh, their site if you have a chance to go to Louisville. Let me know how it is. Let me know if it's fun in person. I'm sure it is. Um, just the fact that you get to experiment and blend um, and find your perfect combination and then, you know, take it home and share. And the final piece of bourbon news I have here is a chance to win six rare bottles of Pappy and Old Rip Van Winkle whiskey. So check this out. 
Make-A-Wish Foundation in Ohio, Kentucky, and Indiana, as well as an organization called Champ Camp, are doing a fundraiser where they are trying to raise $400,000 for their organization. So Champ Camp is kind of like a collaborative organization with Make-A-Wish. They offer a like summer camp experience to kids that, you know, wouldn't normally have that opportunity, whether they're having medical issues or, you know, going through treatments. It gives them that uh, real summer camp experience. So they're hoping to use this money to make a wheelchair accessible treehouse for campers on site as well as other Make-A-Wish, you know, life-changing wishes that happen all the time. I love that organization. So they're only selling 4,000 tickets total. They're selling them for $100 each. So basically, you have a 1 in 4,000 chance um, just by buying one ticket, which is pretty good odds if you ask me. So there will only be one winner, um, but that winner will receive a Pappy Van Winkle 23, 20, and 15, a Van Winkle Special Reserve Lot B 12-year, Old Rip Van Winkle 10-year, and one that is kind of my unicorn bottle, Van Winkle Family Reserve Rye 13-year. So there's only going to be one winner. Like I said, one in 4,000 chance. Of course, you can buy multiple tickets um, and improve your odds there. But what a great cause. I mean, they've already raised over $100,000 as of the time I'm recording this. If you guys do want to donate to that, you can go to donate.onecause.com slash pappy. That's one cause spelled out O-N-E-C-A-U-S-E. So switching gears over to the gaming twist that I always like to throw onto my podcasts and streams. First of all, happy 35th birthday to the game Contra, you know, the famous Konami game that invented the Konami cheat code um, that we all know and love. I made a little tribute post over on my Facebook page, but um, I have not had a chance to, I started streaming that game. Uh, man, that was probably about a year ago now. Didn't get too far. I'm, I'm very bad at it. <laughs> I never claim to be good at video games. I just enjoy them. So I'm going to have to pick that up, especially in honor of its birthday. That was on February 20th when that was actually celebrated. But I thought it was pretty cool. And I had to mention it because, I mean, I love celebrating um, anniversaries and birthdays in gaming and whiskey. But speaking of old games, check out this news story that comes to us from Omaha, Nebraska. Bet you didn't believe I'd have a story from Nebraska, did you? Shout out to Scott Pigsley, although he didn't send me this story, but <laughs> he's our he's our Nebraska friend. <laughs> So apparently hundreds of rare, unopened, mint condition video games were found um, in storage in Nebraska that could be worth millions of dollars. So like I said, this comes to us from Omaha. There's a video game store called The Game Room there. Um, And apparently an anonymous person came to him with a few different games, you know, trying to get the values on them. And he realized how rare these games were. He's like, oh my God, how how did you get this? And the guy was like, oh, well, there's a lot more where that came from. Turns out there's a storage locker that's been sealed for over 27 years that contained a bunch of new video games that came from an old video game store that had closed down in the mid-90s. So we're talking hundreds of unopened Super Nintendo, Sega Genesis, and other extremely rare games were just sitting in a storage unit somewhere. If you didn't know, a lot of these unopened Super Nintendo games go for thousands and thousands of dollars. I see them all the time, you know, selling on eBay. Um, One of the biggest finds from this is a sealed copy, or maybe several sealed copies, I don't know for sure, but it's a copy of Chrono Trigger, which is a 1995 RPG for Super Nintendo, one of the biggest ones that kind of set that genre. Um, This is an incredible find. They say it's kind of basically like the holy grail of a uh, retro video game find. Just to give you some perspective, that game alone, just the cartridge, you know, in average condition, sells for about $300. But this is unopened in the original box, and that I've seen that go for thousands, upwards of $2,000, um, and even higher, depending on, you know, how they grade it. I don't know the full um, scale of retro video games, like the grading and everything. I know there's a huge market for it, um, but they got really excited about that one, and there's a lot more where that came from. 
They uploaded a video on their YouTube channel and I, I skimmed over it. I'm seeing a lot of games that I know and love, including Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat, Sunset Riders. Also, speaking of Contra, they have Contra Hardcore for Sega Genesis. Um, have not played that one. I thought that was kind of funny that I was also going to mention the birthday um, on this podcast. They also have the Ninja Turtles, Turtles in Time, which is one of my favorite uh, Super Nintendo era games. They also had Final Fantasy, some X-Men games, tons of sports games. I mean, this is literally just hundreds an unopened Super Nintendo game. So they haven't gone through everything yet and the, the person that has the collection is still remaining anonymous. We don't know for sure if they're planning to sell all these or they're gonna keep them, what they're gonna do with them. Um, but they are predicting that this could be worth millions of dollars in total. So it kind of makes you think, you know, like, you know, our childhood, we had so many toys and video games like that that we just, you know, threw away the boxes or didn't keep the booklets because, you know, we were kids, right? We just cared about playing the game or playing with the toy. But there's so many collectors out there now that you could make some big bucks if we had just left them sealed, which of course, I mean, toys are meant to be played with, games are meant to be played. I 100% believe that. But, you know, if we had the mindset to maybe buy a cup, buy two copies of something, one to play and one to keep in a storage unit somewhere, hopefully not forgotten about, just think about your original, you know, Furby or even, you know, some game consoles if you never opened it. I mean, it's really easy to think back, you know, oh, what if I would have done this? I mean, you know, what if I would have bought Bitcoin, you know, 10 years ago? Uh, we always have some regrets there, but I'm really excited to see what comes of this. Hopefully, you know, this guy makes some money because, again, it is in his collection. He does own these titles. Um, and hopefully this, you know, can not just be a win for him, but a win for the history of video games. I mean, some of these games, they don't even know if there are other copies of these that are unopened out there. So this is like a full on retail, you know, packaging. Some of them even have the hang tags for where you would hang them in like a retail store. It's crazy. You'll have to check out that video. I'll put the link to it in the description of this podcast. If you want to go see that, it's not the best quality video. They're definitely like really bad with their camera work when they're trying to show you the finds. Um, but that was just scratching the surface of all of these video games. I'm I'm very curious to see the follow-up of this. But with that, I think this wraps up this special 20th episode of the Bourbon Bites podcast. Thank y'all for listening for these first 20 episodes. I believe, now I'm not sure, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna jinx anything, but after putting out this episode, I think we will hit the 1,000 downloads mark. So uh, I'm just gonna assume that by the time you're listening to this, you're helping me reach that, so thank you. Um, I would have never imagined I would have a thousand listens within, you know, just a few months of doing this. Not even, you know, not even six months at this point. Um, I hope to continue to grow the podcast. I'm having so much fun with it. Hopefully you are too. If you are, make sure to leave me a rating uh, wherever you get your podcast, whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or if not, just continue to listen. It really does mean a lot to me that you guys uh, come to listen to me every week, not just on YouTube, but on these podcasts. So thank you. But until next time, this has been Bourbon Bites Whiskey Reviews with a gaming twist. I'm Clifton. Cheers, and I'll talk to you next episode.